You're listening to the Building Stronger Agents podcast, where we interview the top solo agents, team leaders, and brokers across the country to see what makes them thrive in today's market and beyond. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to this week's edition of the Building Stronger Agents podcast. Uh, I'm Will Penny, and my co-host is Mark Young. And today we've got a young couple who've been in the business for a few years, and we're going to talk to them about their business. They've had a great uh, start to their career, and we'd like to see how they're handling this current shift. And uh, I'd like to welcome uh, Mike and Diana Magno to our show. Thank you so much for being here. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Thank you, Will. Thanks, Mark. Excellent. Thanks for being here. Good morning, Diana. Good morning. Thanks for having us. Oh, you're quite welcome. I'm glad you guys are here. Super thrilled to have you guys on on the show here. Would you guys mind just taking a couple minutes and uh, kind of uh, sharing your story on how you guys ended up getting into real estate? Yeah, sure. Um, I'll go first since I got in first. Um, you know, um, we met in the hospitality business. We were both in the restaurant uh, business together, and that's how we met. Um, and it was never supposed to be a like a long term career for me. I got into it in the recession of 08, 09. and um, you know through through 2016, it just wasn't really what I wanted to get into. And uh, luckily enough, the, you know, the, <laughs> I say luckily now, right? Uh, the company that I worked for um, brought me into the office one day and, in February of 2016 and wanted to go a different direction. And, um, you know, it, it was all, all, all the better. I mean, honestly, you know, at the time it was obviously, wow, you know, I, you know, it's all, I, it's all I know. It's, you know, what am I going to do? And um, so I got, you know, I ended up getting licensed that summer, um, going into the fall of 2016 and, and didn't really know what we were going to do. And, um, I closed my very first deals in December of 2016. And it kind of just, you know, moved from there as I grew the business in 2019, I, you know, mentioned to Diana about maybe getting her license. I, I was at a point where I needed help, but I didn't want to bring on an admin. I didn't want that expense of, um, salary. And I didn't really know much about team building at that point. You know, I only got into the business just to simply replace the income I was making at the restaurant, you know, 60, 70, $80,000 a year I was making between salary and bonuses and stuff. And that was all I really wanted to do. But by year three, you know, I'd far exceeded what I was making previously. And I was like, wow, maybe we can actually really make this into something. So, you know, Diana uh, got licensed in 2019, but didn't really start working with me until, you know, late, later in 2019 and then early into 2020. So then I'll, I'll let you take it from there, Diana. Yeah. Um, so 2019, I got licensed and my plan was to start part-time, but then my job brought me an offer that I really couldn't turn down going into the holidays. So I really didn't hit the ground running until um, January once the Christmas season slowed down and then obviously COVID happened. So I kind of just looked at Mike at that point. I was like, this is all I've known. Like, what am I going to do now? You know, and it, it really was eye opening because then I would be waking up every day, just pounding the phones and calling my sphere. And then it just, you know, I, I took a, we took a class earlier that year in September um, with Jason Abrams. And he says, you know, if you don't like making telephone calls, you pull up your Facebook friends list and you start at A. I started A and I got to E and I've never finished my list. So what, what happened when you say I, you didn't finish the list? You didn't need to finish I, um, the list? I just got busy. Like 
with people calling me and um, texting me, needing me, needing help selling houses, buying houses. I think I had what two or three right, listings right off bat in March. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, so basically, you just you just started on your Facebook list. Yep. Friends. Yep. And then you know every I I tell this to everybody I have talked to who has asked me about how they've built their sphere and their client list. I, out of all the homes that I've sold, there's only been three people I have not personally known. So, but obviously it's changed a little bit because now Mike and I have taken a, a different direction. So we will talk a little bit more about that. Did yeah, you so the, um, yeah, what was so that, Will? I had a question. Did you, uh, just for people getting in the business now, did you, uh, did you just send like messenger messages or did you just see them on there? Yeah, and so them? What did you do? They say, you know, Facebook has their algorithms. Um, if you start messaging people, then their posts start showing up on your feed. You know, all these people that I've been messaging, I had no idea that, you know, they were pregnant or getting married or changing jobs because it only shows up on the people I click on or the people that I interact with. Yeah, exactly. Once I started opening these conversations up, their feeds started popping up on my feed and then their people that they knew were popping up as people I may, may know. So that's, out of the gate, really cool. you, you, you just basically focused one, 100% on, on your sphere mm -hmm. and not even the sphere or, or it was a sphere that you didn't even know that you, that you had. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you know, it, my first, it wasn't my first listing, my third or fourth listing. It was someone that Mike and I had worked with or not even worked with someone we knew oh, we went, she from a bar we went to after we went to work. You know, she she let us list her house and then she also let us list her mom's house. And it was right literally at the start of the pandemic. Wow. How, how long and you may have you may have mentioned this. How long uh, were you licensed until you decided to step away from the restaurant business? Um, so I got my license in July of 2019. And then I didn't actually, you know, I had, I think I had two listings my, that first year while I was still working at the restaurant. And then February or March is when I really decided, okay, this, we're going to go all in. And I actually, I think I went back for what, a month or two? Once, Not even, I mean, you know, the, once the, they reopened you know, the restaurants and I'm like, yeah. Wait, doing the governor shut her, you know, when the governor shut everything down, she had nothing to do. So she's like, What do I do? And I said, Well, go for it, right? And I actually when, started baking a lot. And yeah, that too. <laughs> well, I it, we start I I had a little baking business out of my house. Like it was I wasn't doing anything. So I was baking yeah. a thousand cupcakes yeah. at a time and just going on Facebook and said, I have, you know, a six pack of this and a six pack of this. Who's interested? That's cool. Well, and, and uh, I'm I'm assuming that it was it, it it was another way for you to be able to stay um, in the loop or in front of uh, people, especially during a weird time where right. nobody was really sure how to navigate the communication right. and who to meet where and what was going right. to you know be open. What right. you you sort of touched on this, but um, 
obviously you guys sort of hit the ground running uh, both in your own way. What would you, what would you say are, are either one key thing or a few things that, that you could attribute to the success that you've had? Obviously, you know, being in the business, as long as you guys have now a couple of years, you've seen maybe some agents that have come and gone or, or, or that you've seen that are still in the business that might not have the success that you have. We all have our own little story, but what would you guys attribute your sort of early onset success to? Gosh, I mean, for me, it was just, um, it was answering my phone and then also taking anything I could get my hands on, you know, any, any referrals from agents in my office at the time that didn't want to deal with it or taking lower priced, you know, buyers or just re really whatever I could scrape, whatever I could scrape together. Um, you know, my very first deal, um, you know, this is what really honestly probably kept, you know, made me make the decision to even continue, right. And not go get a job was uh, I was had phone time, right? Like who, who does phone time anymore? Right. Well, I signed up for it. I didn't know what would it would, if anything would ever come up for up for it, but they offered it at my office. So I signed up for it and lo and behold, I get a call one day and this guy's like, yeah, I want to sell my house. So I'm like, Oh, okay, great. You know, and I get all this information from him. And then, um, I put together a listing presentation. I had no idea what I was doing. I'd never done it before. I go down to his house. Uh, I'm, uh, they show me their home. I, I come back the next day and actually do a, like a physical listing presentation. And they told me like, Hey, we're, we're interviewing like four agents. So, you know, we're not going to make a decision today or, you know, at the, at the table today, but we'll, we'll, we'll let you know either way. And I said, okay, great. You know, and I, I just really appreciated the opportunity. Lo and behold, um, they were kind of shooing me out of their house because they were expecting another agent to show up like right after me. Well, I hadn't even got back to the office yet. It was like 20 minutes later, they called, they're like, Hey, we want to hire you. Literally first listening presentation I ever went on. I, I, you know, had no idea what I was doing. And, um, here I come to find out the agent that was supposed to be behind me was like 30 minutes late showing up and they called me before she even showed up to their house. So then the next day I came back and they signed the listing and I, I sold their house. And then at the time I didn't know any better, but the, the buyer, uh, called me directly. They found the listing on realtor.com. They didn't, they didn't want an agent. Cause I, I actually tried to refer it. Um, cause I didn't know what I was doing, especially to do, to do both sides of the deal. And they're like, no, no, we're, we're fine. We'll, we'll, we don't need an agent. You, you know, you keep your commission, blah, blah, blah. They were the super nice family. So they buy that house. And then obviously the house, the, the family that sold the house also needed to buy a house. So, you know, just dumb luck a little bit, I guess. Right. Like it, it takes a little bit of that. And I got those three commission checks, basically that first November, that first December, it was right before Christmas, you know, it was like 10 grand after splits. And I was like, Hey, I've arrived. So <laughs> that's great. That's awesome. yeah. And then in uh, 20, so then fast forward 2017, you know, it was a slower, slow. I mean, I still did uh, 14 or 15 transactions then, you know, in 2017. And it was just same, the same stuff. It was just scraping whatever I could to get together. Um, my dad and I bought up, bought a little condo in Timbertop to flip, you know, that was a, that was a deal that we did. Um, so, you know, we bought it and I got a little bit and when we sold it, I got a little bit and, you know, so we did, we did that and, um, you know, just whoever would let me, you know, you know, and in my, in my office too, I, I partnered up with a couple of, um, you know, higher producing agents in their office doing open houses at their, at their listings. And, um, they, they just kind of took a shine to me and, you know, they, th they'd throw me a, they'd throw me a bone every once and again on a referral and, um, you know, just kind of snowballed from there. So, um, so for me, I mean, I, what I would say, Mark is you, 
you're only going to get out of this what you put in it. And if you're not willing to put the put in the work, and that's where I think a lot of new agents, they fail. Um, and we'll and we'll see how it goes for us too in, in this new market, because, you know, we've never been part of a down market. I have no idea. You know, I, I've, I've known this day was coming for a long time. And it and it actually helps segue into why I started the, down the path of, you know, strictly the investment business that I've that we've kind of gone that path. So, um, but yeah, it's been, you know, it's just, it's one of those situations where you just, you just got to put in the, you know, you put in the work, um, you know, I, I try to learn as much as I can through either, you know, doing stuff like this with podcasts or, you know, meeting guys like you or, you know, reading books or going to um, events and, and things like that. So I just constantly trying to learn and, and grow. I think what's, what's really cool about your story and it's super transparent is that, and I, I, I don't think I've ever met an agent in the business. And I've been, I've been selling full-time for 15 years now that hat that has success um, that doesn't have a story similar to yours. Like there's no, there's no magic wand or silver bullet right. or special pill. Like if right. you, if you go all the way back to the start of most, and I'll even say all agents that I know of that have a sustainable business, there's a story like that, which is uh, showing up, answering your phone, you know, you know, doing, doing all of the basics that you need to do. There's, there's, there's no like, oh, I showed up to the office, my phone started ringing and I started making a bunch of money. It's, it's all just hustle. Right. Yeah. And just, and just like I said, just taking those opportunities um, when they came, right? Like I just, you know, I, I, I went and met those people and I didn't, they didn't act, you know, it's one of those situations too. Like they never asked me how many houses I'd ever sold because at the time it was zero. So I used the statistics for my, you know, I just used the statistics for my office. Like, Hey, this is what my office does. This is what my office does. This is what my office does. And they didn't ask. And I didn't provide. You know? <laughs> I love it. So I, I look back on it. I mean, was it, I, I don't know how to, I, you know, it's one of those situations, like how does any new agent get a start, right? Like you have to have someone take a chance on you. You have to, you have to show up and keep yeah. your fingers crossed basically. Yeah. And that's what, and you know, like I said, um, it's one of those situations where, you know, uh, I don't know if you want to call it luck. I mean, hey, I showed up and good things happened. Right. Uh, i it's not like I can't talk to people. It's not like I can't present information to people. Um, and it's one of those situations where I feel like, you know, I did that and I, and I won that listing and, you know, the, the, literally, I mean, the rest is history. I mean, we, you know, to the, to the point where we sold over a hundred properties last year, you know? So it's one of those, it's one, just one of those things. Like I just look back on it and I'm like, yeah, I'm thankful. You know, who, who knows, had they not gotten me that listing agreement, we might not be having this conversation today. You know, I, I might've not, continued I might have went and got a job and maybe the, the growth was slower uh, you know who knows I, I don't know I don't know you, you mentioned that you'll thank your uh, previous employer if you ever run into them the yeah. person you should thank the most is the agent that showed up 30 minutes late you need to find out <laughs> right. who he is right give her a call and say I, that he was yeah. the uh, she lit the fuse to your career yeah I still don't know I have no, idea. no they idea. Tell me idea they didn't tell me and I didn't ask I didn't want I really didn't want to know no, it'd be nice to know now, though, just so you can yeah. send her a gift card. Right. Yeah. I'll take her out. Hell, I'll take her out to dinner. <laughs> do, you, do you guys have any systems that you use or is it all just going rogue? Um, so, no, we we've so that's part of what we've started to figure out. Um, so, you know, part and parcel with Diana coming on full time with me in 2020, I was really struggling as as maybe you guys were as well. We were all scraping the same 
barrel for the same listings, right? Because like when I got into broken into the business, everybody's like, hey, listings to live, listings to live. Well, we were all, all fighting for the same scraps, right? Like no one was listing their homes. And I was already working with investors at that point. And I just literally had this epiphany one day at my desk. And I was like, what's the next best thing for, for me than a listing is a buyer that I don't actually have to show a house to. And that's how that whole thing, you know, in my mind was like, this is what I'm going to do. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to start pushing off the resource, you know, the retail stuff, you know, the, the regular Joe and Susie Smith buyer and seller onto Diana. And I'm going to concentrate on just getting myself well-known in these investor circles with these out-of-state investors that want to buy. And that's what I've done. And that was just, it was all set in motion because of 2020 with COVID. Plus in the back of my mind, I got in the business in 2016. Statistically, it's been a seller's market since 2013. Like there had to be a reckoning coming, right? Like, so I've been thinking about this reckoning for a long time. And so then I thought, what's one way for me as an agent to weather those storms? Well, investors, right? Investors buy, doesn't matter the market. It doesn't matter the interest rates. And hell, if, if the if the market were to decline 20 or 30% like it did in 2009, my business would probably double because these guys are going to scoop up everything they can get their hands on at that point. So, so I made a shift you know, in 2020 to just concentrate on working with investors. And it, it's now to the point where I don't even... Anybody who comes to a, to me that is not an investor, I they automatically go to I you know I hand them over to Diana and she takes it from there. Like on the ground, Mike, what does that actually look like when you say I made a shift to investors? What were the actions that you took to make that happen? So I was um uh, I was a part of Bigger Pockets, mm. uh, the, the the online community Bigger Pockets. Uh, I had joined Bigger Pockets in 2017. Um, one of my clients um, who had bought, we had, we had partnered and flipped a couple houses. He had flipped a couple other houses. He had bought some apartment buildings here in Ohio. He's like, Hey, you should check this bigger pockets thing out. It's where I, it's where I do a lot of, you know, and he was in uh, California at the time and he now lives in Denver. <laughs> and uh, so I got on there and I didn't really know what to make of it. So I kind of let it go. Well, in 2018, I became a premium, uh, premium agent on there and they would feed you, you know, a couple leads a month, whatever. And then that, then I started just kind of organically going into the forums, making messages, direct messaging people, you know, posting my deals and just showing people what I've done. And then one guy contacts you and that guy buys a property. Well, then that guy goes and tells another guy, hey, you should talk to Mike. He, he, he knows what the hell's going on in Cleveland. And that guy talked to this guy and then they they've revamped their systems at, at Bigger Pockets. I mean, it's my number one lead source at this point. Um, so I, I'm part of their featured agent program now and uh, in, the, in this market. And so that's my biggest lead source. And then that that has led to just people just physically reach, you know, finding me on Facebook, finding me on BiggerPockets, finding me on Instagram, uh, finding me wherever. I mean, I, I get more cold emails now from people or cold calls to me. It's, it's wild. You know, I actually, we put, a, we put a house under contract this morning the 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 gal cold cold emailed me like a week ago wow just, pretty quick hey this is this is my this is my name this is my story she sent me a really nice like three paragraph email about why she wanted to work with me and how she found me and who she talked to 
And so I set up this, we, I always set up a zoom for these people if they want, or a phone call, we set up a zoom, her and I talked for like an hour. It, it went actually, I, I let the conversation grow organically. I, I typically will cut them off at 30 minutes unless it's going like that. And lo and behold, a couple of days later, I mean, she, uh, one of my lender partners called me and said, Hey, you know, so-and-so reached out to me. Um, I got them pre-approved. I was like, wow, that was fast. I mean, literally I just talked to her two days ago. And so she was, I mean, obviously she's very serious. So then fast forward the next day, I just literally, I emailed her a, a property that fit in the, her bucket of what she wanted to buy. I toured the property personally. I had taken a video tour of it. I uploaded the link to YouTube. I sent her the YouTube link with the video. I pointed all the stuff out that I thought was pertinent. I sent her a, a, an investment analysis on the property as well. My investment analysis on the property. She called me yesterday. She's like, hey, let's put an offer in. We got it done we today. Yeah, we negotiated that deal last night, and I sent over the the fresh the fresh contract this morning to the agent. So fantastic. I mean, just, you know, just those things. I mean, it, it's just it's and it's right. It's time. What do they say? Time, uh, time over, uh, time over task. I, I forget the whole equation, but you know, you just you just keep moving and keep doing, and and that's what it's it's become for me. Do you have any other routines that you guys have that you would that? that you do on a regular basis that keeps you moving in the right direction or is it pretty random? Uh, I mean, for me, I'm, I, she'll tell you, I, I'm pretty guarded on my calendar nowadays. Um, I used to not, and it, it, it was very difficult for me. I, I need that, that structure. So at this point, what I've done is my mornings consist of typically lead generation and lead follow-up you know, I'll turn my phone and do not disturb. And like, I'm going through my CRM. We use follow-up boss now, which is a really nice CRM. And we use that as well. It's excellent. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And um, I'll go through it and I'll just, you know, for a couple hours, excuse me, I'm just pounding through, you know, either leads or stuff I need to follow up on, or, you know, just trying to dig up some new business that, that morning. And then I, I keep my afternoons open for me to meet, you know, to do appointments with people. Um, I have a Calendly link that links to Zoom and, and people can just schedule with me. Like I have it all automated now, which has been a huge, because people would reach out to me and then I would email them. And then they'd say, well, I'm available this day and this day. And I'd be like, well, I'm, a, I'm not available either of those days. I'm available this day and this day. And it would take me four or five, six emails back and forth before I'd be able to get something scheduled with people. So this whole Calendly thing, I'm like, oh, I've got to figure this out. So it it's awesome. It's linked to my calendar. It links to Zoom. It just, I send it out to people, pick, pick a time slot. It's all automated, right? So that's, that's been a huge uh, thing for me as well. And then, um, you know, for me then, uh, that's kind of my day, you know, and then the afternoons too, because we also have other, our own personal projects we've got going on too, whether it's, um, you know, we're, we're rehabbing a duplex that we bought right now. Um, we have a house that we flipped that I put up for sale this week. Um, you know, so we've got those other things. So I'm, I might have to, you know, pencil in time to go meet with contractors or, or this and that or the other. So, you know, Diana keeps her, her account a little bit more fluid that way she can, you know, she can pick up stuff for me that I can't get to. So. Diana, what's your uh, normal routine? Um, you know, it's, it's a lot like Mike's. I spend the morning we do doing my lead generation and checking my emails and my afternoons, um, are, are open for appointments. I don't take appointments or do closings before noon because I mean, what difference is it going to make if I give you keys at 10 or give you keys at noon, you know? Um, 
And then I just literally, I spend my afternoon on on the phone. I, Mike and I, we have a system. So (laughs) he, he has the conversations with these investors, anyone that's local, he shifts over to shifts over to me, you know, and then we have a showing assistant who, if I am then too busy, he will do our showings for us. You know, I try not to go on showings if I don't have to, because it takes away the time that I am putting in to helping my clients, because it, it, it is a numbers game in this investor market. You know, if we don't make that offer right away and I'm wasting my time showing a house, it could go under contract. Exactly. So, but like I was saying, you know, Mike, Mike has the first conversation and then he finds the house. He pretty much writes the, I write the offer and then it just, everything else falls into my lap. So I, you guys, you guys sort of have, aside from the fact that you guys are married, you guys have sort of a team structure or a team feel to it where, yeah. uh, yeah. So not to put a label on it, but it's, it sounds, it sounds like Mike would be a team lead in the sense that that's where kind of everything filters and funnels into. And then you decide maybe between the two of you where that's going to land. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's he pretty it. much uses me know, for agent to agent relationships. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, I'm a I'm a super high D, super high I on on the disc profile. So like, let's just go right. Like that's my whole thing, and you know, a lot of agents I I can't communicate to the a lot of the agents out there. So that's where she's done a huge help. And then also too, you know, I tend to run into a lot of the same agents because of the 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 business that I've built. You know, there's a lot of there's a handful of us that do a ton of investment properties in this market. So I, I tend to run into a lot of the same agents. So I have good relationships with many of them. So, you know, and then, you know, that's where she comes into, or, or maybe I can't get a hold of somebody, or maybe I'm, you know, maybe I'm knee deep in a project and I'm, I'm meeting with contractors and I need her to get a hold of an agent for me. She'll, she, she does a really good job at getting a hold of them, staying after them, you know, getting them on the phone, like, Hey, finding out what, what do we need to get, what do we need to do to get the deal done? Right. Cause that's oftentimes Mark, you know, and, and will you, I'm sure you've done it a, a million times too. Like that communication is key. I can't tell you how many times over the last two years in this hyper crazy environment that we've gotten a listing where we've gotten offers from people. We had no idea even showed the house because they didn't even pick up the phone. They didn't even pick up your phone or call you. They'll just email it over and send it in dot loop. Yep. Not to make this about me. I missed an offer once found it after I presented the 12. It was a better offer. I ended up telling the seller about it because I didn't want them to find out later. I gave right. my whole commission back all yep. because that agent, $4,000, all because that agent sent an offer over, didn't call me. And I didn't know it was there. and didn't see it until later on in the day. Right. And in order to keep myself honest, I, I paid them the difference yep. and gave up the entire commission. Yep. Thanks to her not making a phone call. Right. Yeah. So that's where, I mean, we always, you know, the, the communication is the key. I mean, it just, uh, you know, I, I've become friends with agents because you get, you actually get them on the phone and you, you have a 20, 30 minute conversation with them. I mean, Mark, that's, I think how, how you and I started. Um, yeah, you know, actually, I, I was going to say, I can, I can personally speak to the high D high I, that's how I am as well. Um, yeah. um, but um, I think on the last one, Diana had to reach her, uh, Hey Mark, uh, where's that? I can't remember what it, what it was so but yeah. anyway yeah so i think it was an roc or yeah, yeah well, who knows who knows yeah. anyway but it's just I, 
I don't know that here's the thing, right? This is a, um, we're not, we're not curing cancer. Like this isn't, you know, we're not rocket scientists here. We're, we're relationship managers. We're, we're doing all these things. And it, it, it's, it's, it, I don't want to say it's not hard because it is, it's, it's really hard to do what we do at a high level. Um, but if you just put in the time and energy and, and, you know, and put in the work, you know, so to speak, it, it just, it kind of, that, that thing will end up moving itself, I think. And, and, you know, you think of it like the, the, the locomotive, right? Like it starts off very, very slow and it has to build up the pressure and, um, you know, and for us, like I said, we've gotten to a point in our business where I never dreamt of, you know, five years ago, I got my license. No, it was, I want to just sell, you know, I did the math, right? Like I, <laughs> the very, my first, my, my very first team leader, I sat down and did the math. He's like, what do you want to make? I'm like, I don't know, hundred thousand. was okay. Well, based on today's numbers, you know, you got to sell this many houses. It, it was like 24. I'm like, okay, cool. Two houses a month. That's pretty easy. Right. That's what I was thinking back then. Right. And then, you know, by year three, I exceeded that. And I was like, holy, wow, what if we actually, you know, what if we built something? So that's kind of where we're at. I mean, we're at this weird, you know, her and I are at this weird crossroads too. Like, we don't know what the future holds because we've never been through a down market. Um, you know, I, I feel good, though, uh, in the position that we've put ourselves in, especially with the with the heavy investor side of the business. Um and then also, I think too, for us, I mean, we, we want to build out our own portfolio as well, which I think this market will help us do that because I'm also out there competing with buyers, um, you know, in this market too. So uh, hopefully more, more deals will come across our desk, you know? And, um, you know, so for us, like, like I said, we, you know, we're, we're still figuring it out, honestly. I mean, we, we, we definitely want to build from where we are. Cause I mean, we're still at a point where we, you know, we take this on vacation with us, right? Like it's that, you know, we do have a full-time admin now. Uh, we, we hired a cyber backer who has helped us quite a bit with our transaction coordinating side of the stuff. A cyber um, what? Cyber backer. What yeah, is it's, it's a company. Yeah. It oh. was started by some Keller Williams folks and they outsource, um, they outsource um, virtual assistants from the Philippines. Hmm. And they have different levels of what you can hire. So we we hired what was a full-time administrative assistant. So she works exclusively for us 40 hours a week. She works nine to five Eastern, even though it's, it's the, you know, the hours are completely flipped where she lives. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, she's, she's readily available. Now, I think it, pushing forward through 2022 and into 2023, what we need to do is start actually putting a little bit more onto her plate. Because the job description that they gave us that they'll do is far exceeds what the ta the daily tasks that we have her doing right now, and I think part of that has to do with my 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 inability to like want to let things go. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, Mark, you know how that is. Dude, yep. you know how you, like you don't want to let anything out of your 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 cold dead hands, right? So, um, <laughs> so that's becoming been a, a seagull manager. You just swoop in. <clears throat> And leave yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah so i um you know so for me i've had to that kind of do that but like i said i think that's where we're at. that can help us grow uh, as if the, the more i can get you know the more i can leverage off um helps me go do more deals so yeah. sounds um, great you know it's one of those um you know one other thing i'll share too is um i had an agent in my one of those guys in my office that kind of you know mentored me a little bit without men, you know without me being part of their team you know, I was in the office one day complaining to his counterpart about a deal that fell apart, right? 
and I'm for 15 minutes, I'm just yammering my, my gums. And he calls me into his office and he was kind of a quiet guy, but he, I mean, they did a ton of business. He's like, Hey, come here. I'm like, okay. Shut the door. So he pulls me into his office. I'm like, he goes, I've been listening to you yammer on for 15 minutes about that deal that fell apart. I go, yeah. He goes, you don't have enough. You don't have enough deals. And I, uh, I was like, huh? And he goes, look, two out of every 10 deals you have is going to fall apart for whatever reason. Okay. The ROC, the buyer's going to go buy a car. The seller's going to die. You know, there's going to be a million reasons why that deal falls apart. He goes, and I'm, and you just wasted 15 minutes of your day yammering over here to him about your deal that fell apart. He goes, you shouldn't have counted the money in your bank account before you had it because you don't have enough deals. And that, I mean, that, I was like two years in the business at that point. That just blew my mind. And I still tell that story to, obviously I'm telling you guys this story to that day. So to me, in my mind, it's always been, I've always had him in the back of my mind going, you don't have enough deals. You don't have enough deals. You don't have enough deals until it was, became a point where like, okay, cool. Now I think, you know, it, you know, at the peak last year, we were probably carrying, you know, 15 to 20 open escrows at any, any one point in time, you know, at that point it's like, wow, holy cow. Okay. Maybe, maybe he was right. You know? So that when, when one or two does fall apart, it's like not the end of the world, right? Like, it's not like we're not going to eat tonight. It's not like we're not going to go, you know, on date night. You know what I mean? It's not like our business is going to suffer because that one, that one deal may have fall apart. So. And it, it wasn't even the 15 minutes. It's the, the four hours of bruising after that 15 minutes, trying to get your head back in the game <laughs> to do something positive. Yep. Yep. And that's, um, you know, that's just one of those things you got to learn in this business is kind of like, uh, you, you just got to, you know, it is tough. It is, it's super, you know, you get those highs and lows and you, and you try to flatten them out a little bit. And, um, you know, it, it's tough for, for guys like me, cause I'm just, you know, super high strong, but, um, you know, it's something that's just always stuck in my mind. And I, I love sharing the story because he was, he was super right. He was super right. Oh, yeah. You flatten those highs and lows out by having more conversations. When people say our business is tough, we're in an air conditioned or heated room making phone calls. It's not, right. we're not chopping yeah. down trees in the woods. Right. Yeah. I mean, we're not, you know, like the, the, all those, all those great people that are down there rebuilding Southwest Florida, right? Right. All those electricians and all those utility workers and all those construction folks that, I mean, they put the Sanibel Causeway back together in three weeks, um, you know, for emergency, as an emergency road for people to get back to the island. Like that's. Oh, no kidding. That's back together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We have a house down there. What? In Sanibel? We have a house in Cape Coral. Wow. Yeah. But we, we, we were very, very fortunate. Our home was built in 2019. We sustained, I mean, very minor damage. So a lot of people have a lot worse than us. So we're, you know, we, we thank, you know, we're, we're thankful every day for, for the very little bit of damage that we sustained. So Your Fort Myers got hammered. Yeah. I mean, people, I mean, people died, right. I mean, people lost their lives, people lost everything. Um, so we're, you know, we're super thankful. Um, I actually just got back from Florida. I drove down there. Um, cause we didn't know what we were going into down at the house. You know, we didn't know if water had in, 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 in you know, had, we didn't know if water got into the house. We didn't know. So I drove my truck down. We, I took a bunch of tools. We, we knew a little bit of the exterior damage that we had sustained from a friend who got some pictures and, and we took some, I took some supplies down to donate to the Keller Williams office down there. Um, I took, I put as much stuff in my truck as I could and just took off. Water um, for you. Aid. Yeah, we were, uh, yeah, well, you know, 50 cases of water, first aid kits, like just anything we could, I could stuff in my truck and 
took off for a week and, um, you know, still did business while I was down there. It was hard. There was no internet. You know, we had, we waited and I waited until we had power back. So once I confirmed I had power back at the house, then I was like, okay, cool. I'll have air conditioning. I'll have running water, things like that. Um, I had no internet. Luckily my cell phone service was pretty good down there. So I was able to tether to my phone and stuff like that and still do, you know, business, but, um, it was tough, it, you know, driving through some of those areas that were the hardest hit. I mean, it was, it, to me, it was like, what is going on in Ukraine with the war or, you know, some of these, I mean, oh, yeah. looked like a third, it, some of these areas look like a third world country. Imagine being a real estate agent down there right now. <laughs> Trust me. Yeah. I it's been running in my head because I finished my classes weeks, <laughs> months ago right. and I need to take my test. And I'm like, how am I going to sell houses in Fort Myers and Cape Coral? Right. Do I just put that on hold? Do I find, do I test and pick a different area? I mean, what do I do? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. So like I said, we, um, you know, we're very fortunate, but. I, I had a question uh, yep. personally that was going to be teed, teed up, but we actually, you guys, uh, you guys talked about it earlier. Um, what, since you guys are both in kind of two different worlds in the, in the business and, and you guys are in a unique position that you've had a super successful start to your business and, mm -hmm. and admittedly have, haven't experienced a shift, like what we're in, whatever that's going to look like, what are, what are you guys, what's, what's the message that you guys are sending to either your sphere or prospective clients or clients that you're currently working with? And, and I'm, I'm interested to hear kind of both the, the yep. traditional consumer message and if that's a different message than mike maybe you're you're yep. sending okay yeah i mean i you know i this at least to me uh and everything that i all the research that i'm doing and the circles that i'm involved with on the investment side of the business this is not 2009 all over again and the statistics bear it out right there's no invent there's still no inventory right it's there is still a supply issue in this country for affordable for any housing, let, let alone affordable housing, right? There's a supply issue. And there has been a supply issue for the better part of what a decade, decade, 12 years, right? As the, the new home starts went crashing to a halt back in 2010, as all those home builders went out of business, you know, I wasn't in the business back then, but I, you know, I watched it a little bit. So my message to people is this, you, I'm seeing less competition for the investors. You know, a property that six months ago would have had 15 offers, maybe only today it's got two offers or three offers, right? Uh, and, and maybe it's not the, maybe it lasts a week on the market, right? Um, you know, so I, I'm just telling investors, hey, look, I know the interest rates are almost unbearable. You have to realize that the 2%, 3% interest rate environment that we were in for those 18 months, that's never coming back. Right. And if you think it is... Uh, the next I got pandemic. Swamp, yeah, I got some swamp land down in Florida, I'll tell you. You know what I mean? Like that's it's just that was an anomaly of anomalies, right? I've never, you know, have you guys I've never lived, we've never lived through a pandemic in this country, at least our generation. No. You know, what with going back to the Spanish flu, 1918. Uh, you know, so I think 1957 there was a pandemic. Okay. Yep. Yep. My I, my dad wasn't even born yet. My dad was born in 1958. You know what I mean? So I mean we've got generations of people who've never seen those types of interest rates and I, we're just never going to see them again. I mean, I just, and if we do, that's, you know, what, what kind of, what kind of economy are we in that we have to have a two to 3% interest rate again? There's, there's no point looking and Googling it because this morning I looked and it went from five and a half to 10 and a half. 
Right. So there's just no way to know. So you just have to get up and work. Yeah. So I, I, the message I'm telling people is, hey, buy the asset, right? Especially in a high inflationary environment, you have something that people want. You know, I, I, I had a deal recently that I represented the buyer on that they walked away from the deal post-inspection. And of course, two days later, they called me like, hey, we think we made a mistake. We want to go back after that property after the release was signed. I'm like, it's already gone. It was already back under contract with someone else. So I told him, you know, he wanted me to ask for a, you know, a $25,000 concession. It's like, that's still not going to happen, right? Like there's, they have the asset that you want because there's, there aren't 15 more for you to go buy. You know, right. So and there's 15 more of them looking to buy. Exactly. Especially in our market, right? Especially all, all this money coming in from the coasts that, you know, these guys realized hundreds of thousands, sometimes millions of dollars in appreciation in their, in their home markets. They've got all this liquid cash available and the next guy's just going to swoop in and, and take it, you know? So that's, I'm telling people like, Hey, don't slow down. I'm not, I, hell, I wrote three offers for our, for us this week on properties that we're trying to buy, you know? So that's my message. Like, Hey, just keep buying. Cause when those interest rates come back down, what's going to happen naturally the Buyers people who sat on the fence in. are going to go back into the market and you're going to, the demand is just going to go straight back up. Now in 2023, are we going to have a, in our market, a plateau? Probably. Will we even see a retraction in some parts of our market? Yeah, I think so. You know, I, I do, you know, maybe 5%, maybe 10%, you know, for the buy and hold investor that I work with, it doesn't matter what you, what that property is worth on paper. If it cash flows, and it's in good condition, and you got tenants that are paying their rent, and you're getting debt pay down, and, and all the tax advantages that go along with it, it doesn't really matter. And, and and to your and and to add on to that, Mike, you know, let's say that we have a a retraction. One of the things that's not going to retract is rent. Right. I mean, rents are rents, and to I get those to come down is going to be almost is going to be almost impossible. So for People. the buy and hold investor, it's an absolute amazing market. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, people are always going to need somewhere to live. And our, our rents had a long way to go to get up, right? And so will our rents flatten off a little bit, I think? Yeah, I think over the next 18 months, I think we're going to see a flattening of, of rent here because it raised so fast. I mean, I, mm -hmm. there's there's houses that I've gotten, that the investors have bought. And then I, I you know, a couple of weeks later, I call the property manager. I'm like, hey, what'd you get in rent for that? So I know. And they're like, 1300 bucks. And I'm like, what? Wow. You know, that house didn't rent for $900 two years ago. Yeah, you know that's where, you know. So I think it will be a little bit of a flattening in the rents as well. But ah, just at the end of the day, you're going to have a physical asset that someone else is going to want and someone else is going to need eventually. You know, so I, I don't think you can lose. So and the underlying yeah. economy is still strong. So it's not like yeah. the last housing crash where the houses, the housing market dragged down the economy. That's not going to happen this time. Yeah, and that's you know the by and large too, right? We we the entire banking system was restructured after 2009 uh, the, the the stated income loans the, those things they went away um you know people have more equity in their homes than they ever had before you know back in 2009 you know like for us for me example i bought my very first home in 2003 i paid 80,000 or so for it in 2003 in 2005 i refinanced it out to like $100,000 cuz i needed some money to pay some bills and then in 2009, I woke up and it was worth 35 grand. No, my. what? I still own that house to this day, by the way. I still own that house. 
And I bet you're getting rent for it. <laughs> I have a tenant in there and she's been in there for eight years and I will probably have to bury her in the backyard. <laughs> she, she, she's never moving out of that house. And now that house has gone back up in value, right? I, I, if I needed to sell that house today, I could go in, I could kick her out. I could refurb the house for probably less than $10,000 and get it to market. And it, and I'd sell it for 110, 120, you know, and now I only owe, gosh, at this point, I think I owe about 40 grand on it. You know, and she's been paying the bill the whole time, you know, and we don't even pull any cash flow off of that, pro that particular property. You know, she's, I've been taking her rent every single month and just putting and it house down. The, yeah. Cause the, the mortgage on that house is only like 480 bucks anyway. <laughs> you know, it's, it's one of those situations where I just, you know, I, that one's, that one's our set it in, forget it. I mean, cause like I said, she's never moving out of that house. <laughs> What about you, Diana? What are you telling your traditional retail buyers and sellers? You know, obviously everybody is very, super cautious. We, you know, I have been telling them with how the interest rates are, everybody wants a unicorn, you know, they, they want to take their time. They want things that just aren't realistic. So I just tell them like, you're, mm -hmm if you are so afraid that the interest rates are so high, you need to be picky about what you are out there looking at. Like, you know, do you want to just buy something because you're afraid the interest rates are going to keep going up? That's a terrible idea because then you're going to hate the house and then we're, we're back in the situation again. So, you know, it's, it's one of those, it's the battle that we've always gone through, even at 2%, 3%, it's, well, I don't want to get into a bidding war. Now the interest rates are too high. You know, it, I just have to remind them the longer we wait, the scenario shifts, like you're going to be in a bidding war or your interest rates are going to go up. You know, there's never going to be a right time to buy. You just have to really focus on the things that matter the most to you that you want out of buying. And it's, you know, I'm going to piggyback on Mike a little bit. You know, I have a, a buyer now who, you know, we just closed on a house that they're going to burr. And now they want, you know, rather than selling the house they live in, they're going to start house hacking. And I've actually got that from a few of my residential people who want to buy stuff, but aren't, you know, they, the perfect thing isn't out there yet but they need to make a move. You know what I mean? Like, it's, well, and I, it, yeah, and I think, I think to, to your, to your point, the challenge is on the specifically on the traditional side of things, investors, I think, look at it more black and white Excel data mm -hmm. uh, as opposed to emotional and the traditional buyer um, or, or seller, but specifically what you're saying it they're trying, they, even though they might not be saying it out loud, they're trying to, they're, they're, their goal is to time the market and they, and they can't. And, right. and so if, if, if tomorrow we got news that rates were going to go back to three and a half percent, the people that are on the fence because of the seven and a half percent are now going to be in a bidding war. So yeah, they're they're I think, I think it's great advice to say, look, if this is an emotional decision, that's being driven by a need or a want in terms of life change or whatever that looks like, 
have have your goals to be set on what the product is like what do you what do you need and 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 then you can you know deal with interest rate and you know cost and all that stuff later mm-hmm. yeah exactly yeah the quote the quote i and I, I did not come up with it i stole it from someone else right that's marry marry the house date the rate right i mean um you know rates are not forever so now and the last thing i'll say on that because we've been telling our clients you, you know, you get a house for 280 and, and you pay 310, 320 when the rates were at three because you had 15 offers, that 30 or $40,000 was a premium you paid just to be the winner. Now you might get the house for 10,000 less than the list price or, you, or some kind of a concession. You get to have your inspections done so you know exactly what you're getting. And the interest rate, the delta in payment might be $600 a month. But how many months is that going to be before it burns through the 30000 premium that you paid before? Rates will probably drop down into the fives and then you can refinance and you'll still be ahead of the game versus yep. paying that non-refundable premium uh, yep. to, to, buy, to, to win a deal when there's 15 offers. Yep. That's a great point, Will. You, 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 that's a really, really good point. So, yep. I didn't even think of that. That's, I'm going to steal that, I think. So. Oh, go for it. Yeah, I'm very intelligent. <laughs> I have lots of good points. <laughs> anyway, guys, thanks for coming on. Yeah. Uh, you Absolutely. I'm really excited for people to listen to this episode because you guys have done so well. You're young. You've, it, you've done what every, any other successful person is. You're more concerned about losing your house than you are about what someone's going to say to you on the phone. <laughs> right. So you just prospected and you grounded out and that's the magic and you do it consistently and you yep. found your niche you know riches right. are in the niches and yep. uh i'm really happy for both of you oh awesome so well, thanks no, we, for being on this uh podcast yeah. with us uh absolutely absolutely excited to have you here yeah. well thanks <laughs> yeah. for taking the time to be on here guys and uh thank you uh, thanks for everyone for listening we'll continue having excellent realtors like mike and diana on this show and uh keep listening you guys have a great day Awesome. Thanks, Thanks, Mark. See you guys. See you guys. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Building Stronger Agents podcast. If you like this episode, please give us a five-star review and share our podcast with your friends.